Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Hey, it's great to see you. And um, yeah, we're going to hear from a number of different people tonight um, around um, what's going forward, what's happening. And hopefully you've been part of, we've done three soul nights in quite quick succession. And uh, we used to do them like once a quarter. And so we've done one every month. But uh, we really want to get the soul of our church ready for what um, we believe we're stepping into and what God is doing. And um, don't worry, it won't be like, a North, tra- North Church trait that we uh, ask you to come out every Tuesday, every month for the rest of your lives. We will not. But there are times where things are more intense and they are more purposeful of that. And I hope that you have found that. And um, yeah, if you've not been here for the other soul nights, can I just encourage you to um, check those out on our various platforms like I listen to. Sometimes Dave speaks and I'm like in kids' church and he'll be like, oh, have you heard the message? I'm like, no. But don't be me. Be better than me. Um, Because I'm just going to summarize in two minutes what really we unpacked in two hours. So I really encourage you to listen. And however you find yourselves, maybe you are new to the area, maybe you are new to church, maybe you've caught one, maybe you've caught all of them. Um, Recap them and get excited about the future and and, and stir up your faith because it's a real great sense at the end of, you know, the other soul nights, there's there's just a real great sense amongst us of like God is going to do something good, not because we deserve it, but because he deserves it. And what an honor and a privilege to be part of it. And so um, yeah, let's stir up our faith. <clears throat> but just really quickly, let's remind ourselves of the value. And the last two soul nights, really, we've been really looking at um, our values. And I think traditionally in these kind of settings, we come and we gather around the vision and we gather around what we're going to do. And we've been really purposeful that we have actually gathered around who we are and who we are choosing to become, and who we are. Because who we are is far more important than anything that we do. And um, what we do should always spring from who we are. And that's the way that Christ modeled it. Who Jesus was, was far greater than any miracle that he did. But the miracles and the wonder and the incredible things that Jesus did sprung out of who he was. And so there's been purpose in the fact that we've just stalled around, hey, who are we? Who are we? When who, what is our reputation going to be in the city? What are people going to say about us? Who are we and what are our values? Our values are Jesus is who we follow. Really simple. They're like broad values that we can all get on board with. People are who we love to serve. The word is how we love to grow. And community is how we love to live. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, parents' evening. Finally, in-person parents' evening. And then, you know, they go through and they have to tell you where your kid is on the light, where they should be and if they're achieving where they're meant to be or if they're not or if they're a genius, or if they're not. And um, you sit there and you nod and you're like, oh, oh, wow, and actually some things come out and you're like, really? Oh, okay, I didn't know that. And you look through their books and you're like, you never told me you were doing that, just my kids. But at the end, like towards the end of this like 10 minute session, we always say, okay, great, that's amazing, thank you very much. What's my child like when I'm not there? In other words, who are they when they haven't got mum giving them evil eyes? 
Who are they choosing to become in a setting where they could become anyone? Who are they choosing to become? And far more than our achievements, far more than our grades, far more than our accomplishments, let's find ourselves in a community of people of choosing to become more like Christ, that our attributes would be more like Christ than anything else, that we would pursue Christ. And we're going to look at some of the pursuits, and we've done six in the last one, and we're going to unpack six more. But who are we, and who are we becoming? Who are our, what are our family traits? What are our habits? And uh, I want to just encourage you with one verse, because I'm excited about building with you, and building this community, and doing life with you. But there's a verse in John 14, And this is Jesus talking and it says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going back to my Father. You know, this generation that's emerging behind us is said to be the most disillusioned generation. And I was asked about that recently and they were saying, you know, what would you say about to the young people? Apparently they're the most disillusioned with the church than ever before. And I was like... Maybe we've just sold them the same thing. Maybe we've forgotten that God is a creative God. And maybe we've forgotten that there is more. And maybe their, their disappointment or their disillusioned is because that they're like, is this it? Do we just gather on a Sunday and then go about our daily lives and makes no real impact? And maybe they've got a point. And maybe, maybe we need to, rather than take offense at that, of people, you know, it's quite offending when I've worked 20 years with young people and they're still disillusioned. <laughs> but maybe they've got a point. And I want to encourage you for those of us that have walked with Jesus for a while, and maybe those of us that have been in church for a while, to start to get excited again and to start to believe that actually we will see even greater things. But the greater things that you and I will see may not look like the world will see the greater things. What I mean by that is in Jesus's three years of ministry, as amazing, as impactful, he was going from place to place to place. He was seeing miracles happening. He was doing things that weren't even recording. I mean, imagine being in that party. One thing Jesus never got to do in a way that you and I get to do is he never got to stay in one community for a long period of time. He was always on the move. Rightly so, he wanted to advance the gospel. Rightly so. But maybe the greatest things that you and I are going to see achieved is a transformation of a community, is the transformation of a city, is the school mums at the school gate, knowing them for eight years while your child is in that school, for three years while you are at university, for 10 years while you live in that house, in that neighborhood. Maybe the great things that you and I get to see are not in in the areas that we are looking. And the rest of that verse says this, And I will do, this is Jesus, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And you know, above all our values, gosh, would we be people that are excited about what God is doing. And for some of us, actually, it's been a real challenge to go, 
I'm excited that God's going to do something fresh, that I'm going to see miracles that I didn't even know to pray for because I'm still praying for the miracles that I've seen written in the Bible. Years ago, I went to the Barrier Reef and I remember um, feeling so close to God in that moment and I was um, diving and Dave didn't come because he's a wuss. So I was like, (laughs) apparently he gets sick on the boat and I was like, it's worth it. But it's amazing. The Barrier Reef is incredible. And I remember... I was diving with a few of our friends, and you can't talk because you've got this like thing in your mouth, so you can't talk. But I saw fish that I could not have imagined existed. I saw markings on fish that I was like, I would not have even dreamt that up. And I think that's a glimpse of heaven, that there's going to be new colours in heaven that we could not have even imagined existed. And would we be able to see that kind of creativity, that kind of explosion of the nature of God in our city, that there's going to be things that happen that are even greater, that we don't even know to ask for. But we're going to be part of doing something all because we have our values in order. And ultimately, that we would grow as a a healthy soul. And I'm excited about doing life in that way. I'm excited about your achievements and and your mountaintop moments and and your celebrations and the things that are going to go great in your life as individuals and as us, as a body, as a family, as we're going to celebrate with each other. And I know there's going to be valleys that we will navigate with each other. There's going to be things that we will journey through with each other but we're going to stay here and we're going to stick with each other and we're going to get to experience things that Jesus promised that we would see even greater things. And so, you know, listen to the last couple of messages. Listen to the last couple of soul nights. Can I just ask that you'll be in prayer, that you would meditate on this verses of John 14, that God, open my eyes. May the scales fall from my eyes. May I pray prayers that I've forgotten I used to pray. May I be hungry for the things that I used to be hungry for, but actually I've just not been hungry for them recently. May you stir something up, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, that actually as we step forward in everything that we do would be a deep desire to see these things come to pass and um, that we would grow the soul of this church, that we are committed to keeping a healthy soul, that we are committed to keeping our soul in check, that we are committed as individuals to do that, as life groups to do that, as teams to do that, as serving areas to do that. But actually, as the years go by, that the soul of North Church would grow, that people would carry the church in a different way, that we want to grow numerically, yes, but we would grow with people carrying that understanding of this is who we are. And because I know who we are, this is now what we do. Rather than this is what we do and we're figuring out the rest. This is who we are. How can we grow the soul of our church? Because I think when we grow the soul of our church, that's when we will start to see even greater transformation. So you're going to hear from a number of different people um, that will hopefully unpack this. Hopefully stir up your faith. Hopefully answer some questions. And um, it's going to be an exciting time ahead. And I hope you are excited. I hope you've gone from like sussing out what is this all about to I can't believe this is really happening. And um, yeah, I hope you are. And I hope you get to 
make the best friends that you've ever made in church. I hope you get new friendships. I hope you get new hobbies and new things that you do. And you look back and you be like, this place was so good for me. And I was so good for it. In Jesus' name. So Dave, why don't you come up and... Um, Amen. Thanks, Abs. We have a little phrase amongst uh, our little staff team, and I think Laura came up with it. And it was just, she often says the thing, it's going to be good, you know. <laughs> and I like it. It's just like, it's going to be good, you know. And I think what Abs is saying is, you know what? It's going to be good, you know. And uh, we believe those greater things. Um, we're going to invite Faluke up. She's just going to give us a very quick trustees update. It's important to know what's happening behind the scenes in the important things of church life. So Faluke... Looking fabulous today. Tell us a little bit. Give us a little update. Thank you. Yeah, straight from work again today. So uh, a bit overdressed, but forgive me. Uh, Nice to see you all. So um, a couple of things have been going on. First is to say that we have uh, appointed and uh, found a financial advisor. We are really excited about that. Because this person works for a charity, has experience in a charity, 10 million turnover which is amazing and he's agreed to work with us and so we're really excited about that on a voluntary basis so couldn't get any better we now have a bank account yay so uh, really really excited that things are moving in the right direction um the 2p process that is transfer of undertakings protection of employment if you really wanted to know what that meant T-U-P-E, which is really about transfer of staff from Life Church into North Church. So that process has started and will enable us to make sure that our teams are ready to go when we are ready to go. Um, the other best piece of good news is this building. So previously we said to you that we probably would have to sublease from Life Church. Well, the landlord said, no, I will lease it to you directly. So that's amazing. So um, that gives us some stability for a a longer period of time. So we're just working through the terms and hopefully we'll sign in the very near future. So we're really excited about that. And then in terms of when do we think the transition will be completed, we are aiming towards the 1st of May. So we have a date. That's really in terms of us being established as our own charity and um, having everything tied up. But that is subject to us getting all the legal elements all sorted out. And at that point, we will think we will stop being Life Church and we will become North Church fully. And uh, Dave will talk to you a bit more about actually what that means and the process that we'll go through around about that time. But that's kind of the trustees update. So lots of exciting things happened in the last four weeks. Thank you for Luke. And uh, we're so appreciative because we have a lot of meetings on Zoom and in person and these guys are giving up time and uh, they don't have a lot of spare time, but the spare time they do have, they give to help us as a church. And so we're very grateful for that. Um, John and Alison and Faluke and myself. And, and so that's really good. Um, on the last couple of weeks, we did mention um, about our... Um, as becoming part of the AOG on our last couple of soul nights. And we thought it'd be good for some of you to hear about the AOG and what that actually is, which stands for the Assemblies of God, because some of you are probably... Put your hand up if you've ever heard of the Assemblies of God. Put your hand up if you have. Put your hand up if you've never, ever heard of it. 
Okay, so more have than haven't. So that's good. Well, we are blessed tonight because we not only have the leader of the Assemblies of God, we also have the general manager of the Assemblies of God. These are like the two head honchos, okay? These are the bosses of all the bosses. And um, this isn't is actually a requirement for them to come over. I just sent them a message last week and said, hey, we have Soul Night next Wednesday. Why don't you come and share a little bit about what the AOG is and what it means for us to be a part of that and the benefits of that, which I just think will help some of you. And so they're just going to share for 15, 20 minutes about that between them two. And I think that's going to be good. Is that all right? So come on, let's give them a round of applause. Glyn Barrett and Stuart Keir. Are you coming together or are you going to come separately? So this is Glyn, and many of you have known Glyn. Glyn has preached at Life Church many times and all around the world, and um, leads a huge church in Manchester called Audacious Church uh, with his wife um, Sophie, and I've done that for years and years. But and about three years ago, took on the mantle of leading the Assemblies of God, and they'll talk a little bit more about what that is because it's not like a thing you can just do in your spare time. It's a huge thing, and um, so we're really blessed and honoured to have you here with us tonight, Glyn. So yeah, just share with our church. Thank you. Well, hi, everybody. Good to be here tonight, and uh, congratulations on this amazing transition that you're walking through, and great to see how uh, blessed and really favoured it is. And uh, I know Steve quite well for many years, Dave and Abs as well for many years. We, my wife and I, we used to be youth pastors in Sheffield, and uh, so we know Yorkshire pretty well, South Yorkshire, of course, but uh, we still know Yorkshire pretty well. And um, just so you can place me for a moment, I'm a Manchester boy by birth, moved to Australia when I was two. My dad stole a loaf of bread, so we got shipped out to there for a whole lot of years. And um, when I was 15, uh, we moved back to Manchester. My dad was pastoring. Then when I was 20, I went to Sydney to go to the Assemblies of God National Bible College in Sydney. I did four years there, married my wife, and then 25 years ago, moved to Sheffield, and then 14 years ago, moved to Manchester to launch our church. And it was during my time in Sydney, actually, in my second year of Bible college, God said to me three things. He said, go back to England. And I said, you go back to England. And um, if you know anything about the leading of God, it just becomes something that you can't deny. It's, uh, it becomes overwhelming. You have to do it. And uh, of course, falling in love again with the nation of my birth. And uh, so we moved back to England 25 years ago or so. And then 14 years ago, we planted our church in Manchester. That was the second thing God said back 26 years ago. He said, you're going to plant a church. You're going to go to England. You're going to plant a church. And the third thing God said was, uh, you'll one day lead Assemblies of God in Great Britain. So Assemblies of God, I'm, I'm second generation Assemblies of God. To give you a little bit of context about what it is, it is uh, 700, 600 churches in the UK currently and uh, 600, and there is 370,000 Assemblies of God churches globally. And the beautiful thing about it is we're tied together by um, some, I guess, some theological basics that we all agree on, and of course, Dave and Abs agree on, and your team as well. But the also incredible thing about Assemblies of God is that every local church is self-governed. It's, it's uh, We call the word autonomous. And so really, uh, Assemblies of God is a family of churches. It's about a brotherhood and a sisterhood. It's about accountability with each other. It's about relationship. It's about friendship. It's about not moving forward with central authority and central structures. But it means that North Church is has protection, is a part of something that is global. And with that comes all the benefits in terms of our interaction with government, uh, the way we're able to even lobby in Parliament on behalf of North Church so that we can continue to see our nation become more and more of a 
Christian nation. I don't know if you realise this, but there are more spirit-filled MPs in Parliament now than ever before in the history of our nation. And uh, we have uh, so many incredible inroads in there, which uh, we're really thankful to God about. But on, on top of that, we're really excited about this next season of Assemblies of God. So as I said, we are 600 churches strong in the UK. But uh, when I took over the leadership of the movement three years ago, there were three things that we've started to focus on. And that is leadership development, church planting, and mission. Leadership development, church health, and mission. And uh, leadership development is all about training and developing leaders. It's about creating leadership pipelines all the way down to the teenage years, all the way through to whatever age somebody is, and creating mechanisms for developing leaders, identifying leaders, and partnering with the local church in order to develop those leaders to go on and be influencers in their world. Of course, when we think about church, we're thinking about pastors, we're thinking about uh, church pioneers and church planters, even missionaries and things like that. But we're also aware that really as Christians, we're called to be influencers in whatever context God puts us into, as Abs was talking about a moment ago. And uh, so leadership development is really about that. And we have all sorts of exciting things within our leadership development. Our National Bible College is called Missio Day. It used to be previously known as Mattersea Hall Bible College, but we've moved into a new season where no longer is it residential, but students come for six weeks of intensives a year. They can get a BA, can get master's degrees with us, and of course, we're moving into PhDs as well. I've got an amazing partnership with Chester University, and all that is happening through there. We've only just launched our Missio Day Bible College back in September, and already we're at 35 first years in BA. We have something like 70 or so who are on the master's courses as well. That's really exciting. We have our boot camps for young leaders within leadership development. That is Young Lions, where we take them away for a boot camp. It's like a it's like an army boot camp. We wake up the 16-year-olds at 2 o'clock in the morning, send them up a hill to pitch a tent, but forget to tell them uh, we haven't given you peg, um, tent pegs or tent poles and uh, all the best. And you can either take a map with you or a torch. And it's all about team building. It's all about recognising the hand of God on young leaders. And that's a really exciting and a really successful part of Assemblies of God. So leadership development is really good. It also means that from a point of view of the credentialed ministers, we have CPD, continued professional development for all of our ministers. So it's not about just getting an ordination or credentials in the movement, but there's going to be an expectation that all of our leaders continue to learn, continue to develop as well, because we don't want to just rely on old sermons and old ideas. We want to keep on learning. We want to keep on developing all of our pastors and all of our leaders in our movement. And so our continued professional development is really, really great. So that's leadership development. The second track we have is church health. Because what we want to have is healthy leaders leading healthy churches. And healthy churches are really the goal. We don't want to just have numerically large churches that are unhealthy, but we want to have churches of all sizes that are healthy. And so there are certain metrics that we have in what determines what is a healthy church. And we're excited about how church health is tracking and how we can help local churches identify for themselves what is healthy, what is not healthy, and how those things that are unhealthy can become healthy. So that's church health. And then the third track is um, our mission. And uh, we're really thrilled at the moment. We've been able to put uh, in excess of a quarter of a million pounds onto the ground into, you know, servicing and helping local churches on the ground in the Ukraine, Kiev, Kharkov, Maripol, and other such places. We have pastors on the ground there who, uh, uh, we have one pastor for Valeri, for example. Valeri's in Kharkov, a bombed out city. He's living in a basement. And I just got a text from him just during the message now. 
uh, while Abs was speaking, actually, and he's just managed to get to Lviv with two uh, truckloads full of food. And he himself and his wife are supporting somewhere in the region of 28 churches in and around the Ukraine. And we've been able to get cash to them on the ground to help with fuel, provisions, food, and all those sorts of things. But of course, mission is more than just humanitarian aid. It is an important aspect. But it's about raising up, identifying, and sending missionaries out into the world. Not just our local world, but as you know from the book of Acts, Jerusalem, Judea, and the outermost parts of the earth. So we have leisure development, we have church health and mission. And all of those three things are working together for one aim, and that is church planting. Because we really believe that church planting is the key. And so this May at our national conference, which some of you will probably be at, we're going to be launching our church planting strategy for the next six years. That's 400 new churches in Great Britain in the next six years. Over the next 11 years, the goal is is 1,000 new churches. And because we are partnering with Assemblies of God Global, 370,000 churches globally, the goal is by 2033, uh, that's Pentecost 2033, we will see the number of Assemblies of God churches grow from 370,000 to a million churches globally. And uh, the really wonderful thing is that Assemblies of God Global have asked us from Great Britain to spearhead all of church planting for all of Europe, all the way up to the Russian border as well. And so we're looking forward to, as, as North Church gets established and as we talk with Dave and Abs to see how you as a local church can potentially become part of helping us to, to train and equip uh, church planters all the way through from Great Britain, all the way up to the Russian border, wherever that is in a few years' time. And uh, of course, we continue to believe God for an amazing move of God across Europe. Let me just say this finally before Stuart comes our general managers tell you a few things. And that is this. Every time we've seen a mass people migration across Europe, revival has always followed it. Church history is really my specialised subject. And just last week, I was lecturing in a college on uh, church history. And it's quite amazing how, especially when there's been persecution of a Christian nation, and if you know anything about the Ukraine, it is really the hub of East, the Eastern Orthodox Church. And it's going to be amazing to see the impact that the diaspora of many people fleeing the Ukraine is going to have for the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just in Europe, but in the rest of the world as well. So not only is this a new day for Europe because of what's taking place, but this is definitely a new day in Great Britain because North Church, we want to congratulate you. We want to welcome you to the family and, uh, and you will find it a blessing. We'll f- certainly find it a blessing and um, we're into family and relationship. And so we want to thank you for being a part of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. It's great to be here. Um, just by way of instruction, Stuart, I'm married to my wife, Julie. We have three kids. My eldest is married. It nearly broke me. <laughs> She's a girl. It was horrifying giving her to some punk of a guy. Um, I like him now. I like him more when we have grandchildren. Um, no pressure on them. Um, uh, my role is a general manager, and that means I oversee the day-to-day running of Assemblies of God as a movement. But, but let me tell you something that's really important to us. Uh, we're not about the movement. We're about churches. And the movement is not geared for the churches to serve it. The movement is geared to serve the churches. It's not about um, what you can do for AOG. It's actually, and and we talk to our our staff team all the time, this is about how we serve and empower every one of our local churches. It's about how we get behind you. It's about how we give you tools that maybe another church has got that they can share with you or tools that you've got 
that you can share with them and how we can see a growth in and through that. Uh, When we talk about a leadership pipeline, it's not about how we get leaders from you for us. It's about how you see people and then we can bring some expertise alongside you to grow those people so that they stay in the house, not head off somewhere else. We know for some people, the call of God will mean they'll leave because we've all had those moments where it's happened. But actually what we really recognise is to build church, you need to build leaders in the house. So our Bible college is set up so that people come to it and at the same time work within their church rather than go to college and, well, it was nice knowing you. Our leadership development pipeline is set up so you identify people and you said these are the ones we see that have got leadership on them and then we can come alongside you, help them grow and help them play a bigger, better part for you in your church. It is all about how do we serve and empower you to be who you're called to be. Even in the conversations that we do with government uh, just this week, uh, talking about Ukraine, talking about homes for Ukraine, the conversation has been the church wants to help and here's how we can help you more. And the government leans in and suddenly the doors open, which when we're a local church, we have a level of voice. But when you're 600 local churches, there's a lean in that occurs that is just because of the multiplication of numbers. And suddenly we can sign up and go, hey, I'd take a fa- we'd take a family. And the government goes, who are these guys from? Actually, they're connected to Assemblies of God. All right, we know who that is. And we know what that means. And suddenly a family in your church goes, we got to do what we hoped to do, which was look after people in massive need. It means when you come across a crisis or a problem, uh, you're not on your own. And, And that's a big deal for us leading a local church in Manchester. But the conversation around the country as we have with many of our churches is, uh, thank goodness there was someone outside to call who was for us and we didn't have to persuade them because we're for you and tell you how excited we are that you guys are coming into Assemblies of God it's fantastic we're so thrilled to have you a part of the family that is growing and all that goes with it when Ab said the phrase a little while ago you know this feels good actually the thing that resonated for me was two things number one this may feel good for you you coming into Assemblies of God and we hope we'll be good for you But I do believe the bigger thing is you'll be good for us because of who you are and what you bring, the gifting that is in the house that is North Church, the influence that you bring across a city and we're believing for much wider than that because what God's doing is so phenomenal in this house that you'll be good not just for us but for lots of local churches who will see something in you and go, we can learn from there. And we can grow from there. So we just want to facilitate whatever we can. However we can come alongside and help. We're open to doing that. If we can signpost, connect, open doors, that's what we're about. But we're so thrilled that you're a part of Assemblies of God. And looking forward to having you at conference. It's in Harrogate. It's not that far. (laughs) Betty's Tea Room, book early is my advice. If you don't book early, you're not getting in. And um, Dave said he's looking forward to the Turkish baths. 
with any of the fellas that are, so we're really looking forward uh, to having you there and uh, early part of May it'll be great to see you and for you to be able to see this is Assemblies of God because this is who we are and what we're about but thanks for having us this evening it's great to be here thanks Stuart amazing it's so good to hear from that and we really do appreciate everything they've done to help us and um if we were starting this by ourselves, it would have taken a lot longer and been a lot more hassle. But these guys have just made it so smooth. And like they said, it's going to be a great support for us going forward. And we're going to definitely take advantage of that. And if any of you guys do want to come to um, their, the national conference, it's on the 5th, 6th and 7th of May. And um, it's only in Harrogate, so maybe you can come for a portion of it if you do want to come. Myself and Abs and, and uh, our team will be there as much as we can because it's We'll communicate some dates to you soon about what's going to be happening, but we plan to be there. And so uh, I imagine it's, imagine it's what you'd experience with amazing time together in worship and God's word and lots of people everywhere. And so we haven't done that for a long time in a, many, in a, national, con, in a national context. And so that's going to be um, really good. Is that all right? If you have any questions on anything that has been mentioned, uh, either by Glyn or by Stu or by Abs or anything I say, um, at the end, we are going to create, if we have time, hopefully we will, if you do want to ask some questions, and that, those questions can be, I'm sure you guys won't mind asking questions, or they can come to us. Um, but last couple of times we've done that, there's been very few questions, and I don't know if that's just because you're all so with it, or you're just falling asleep. Um, one of the two. And so I'm just going to share for a few minutes, and I'm going to sort of share some practical things so you have some dates and things like that, and we'll spend a little bit of time just at the end praying. And then um, you guys can be released to go to the Kirkstall Brewery or wherever you want to go to. Um, on Sunday, when if you were here on Sunday, I spoke a little bit about faith. And we all have different perceptions of faith. I think we'd all agree with that. Different perceptions, based, often based on our backgrounds of faith or based on our heritage or our experience of it. Really what, I'm, really what I'm encouraging all of us to do as a church is to, like we said on Sunday, to take that step out of the boat. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. It's often filled with aspects of apprehension and we are not sure what is going to happen. Um, but I believe as we take that step out of the boat, you know what? Jesus meets us where we are. He will support us. I don't believe we're going to drown. I believe we're going to um, walk towards Jesus. And so whatever it might be, we are encouraging as a church to take that step out of the boat. And for some of you in the room, it's like, I don't see it that much a bigger deal. It's just, you know, we're just changing the name on the sign. And we are, you know, maybe changing a few things. But actually, I think it's deeper than that. And I think it's richer than that. There is an element, like Abs has said, where we do believe we are stepping into something new. And that doesn't mean the old has been bad. The old has been fantastic. But the new can be even better. And so it's not dishonoring the past. It's honoring the past and then being anticipating and expectant for what God can, what, what is going to happen next. And so we want to be a church that steps out of the boat. And I appreciate all of us in here. We've spoken about this before. It's a bit more of a recap, but we've spoken about how really what we need is we need our head, we need our heart, and we need our hands. Everybody touch your head. You need that. We need our heart, and we need our hands. And um, I did a little bit of a post on Instagram yesterday, which I had probably more people come back to me than ever have done before, because I think it resonated with some of them. Um, but on Monday, I was walking with uh, my twins in a park and three different people on three different occasions stopped and went, gosh, you look like you got your hands full. 
And it's not the first time that has been said to me or abs. It's a very common thing when we are walking with our kids. And I think they say it kind of, um, kind of positively and kind of like, I'm glad it's you and not me. Um, and I was just thinking about it a little bit yesterday because the reality is, yeah, our hands are full. They are full. They're full with our family. They're full with our kids. They're full with our church. They're full with our work and your hands are full with your work and they're full with our family and they're full with our dreams and they're full with our friendships and they're full with lots of things. Our hands are full. But then I had this thought, which is this, you can't shape anything with empty hands. Can't shape anything with empty hands. And so as a church, I'm encouraging you to get your hands involved, to get your hands involved, for things to be picked up in your hands, because we cannot shape anything if it is not in our hands. That is how we shape our kids. That is how we shape our culture. That is how we shape our leaders. It has to be in our hands. And if we close our hands and decide not to open our hands, we cannot shape anything. But if we are the children of God, if we are the people of God, if we are the church of Jesus Christ, then we invite things into our hand and allow the supernatural power of God to do a miracle throughout it. And so I know many of you, this is not a call to do a sign up. We don't have a sign up sheet at the back, you know, to sign up to another team. It's not about that. It is a deeper, it is a deeper spiritual issue that we are fully in with our heart, but we also fully in with our hands because when it is in with our hands, that is something that we can shape. And our role, I think, as pastors and our role as leaders is ultimately to, um, is ultimately to help shape and equip your hands with ministry. Our role is to equip your hands with ministry. And if you think, what does that mean? What do I really mean by that? Is the ability to help people connect and grow with God. So when we talk about you being equipped for ministry and us being equipped for ministry, what we're doing, we want to equip you with the ability to help people connect and grow with God. And like anything in life, we can't just assume and presume that you're going to know how to do that. That requires training. It requires shaping. And that is really the job of church and the church leaders. In fact, it even says it, doesn't it, in Ephesians 4? Verse 12, the scripture says that um, when verse 11, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. To equip his people, another translation puts like this, to equip the saints for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And so it When you understand that verse, it changes sometimes how you perceive church. Because sometimes we think church is a place that you come and we as pastors and leaders will do all the work. But really our job is to equip all of us to do the work together. That doesn't mean we equip you on a Sunday and then we go and chill Monday to... (laughs) That'd be a good idea. Monday to Saturday. And I'm sure there are some pastors who preach on a Sunday and stay by a beach for the other six days. But we want to get involved with you but really our aim is to equip the church to do the work of the ministry because all of you know you are ministers where you do life this is not the only place of ministry this is the training center for ministry this is the equipment center for ministry this is where you're going to get empowered this is where you might get filled with the holy spirit this is where iron is going to sharpen iron this is where you're going to get strengthened this is where you're going to get encouraged this is where you're going to get inspired but when you are sat at your desk when you're in your school when you're in your uni that is when you become the minister in that place and so 
our job and what we are excited about is becoming a church over the next few weeks and months where we do our best to equip the saints for ministry. And when we say equip the saints for ministry, we don't just equip the superstars for ministry. We equip everybody for ministry. From the least experienced to the most experienced, from the youngest to the oldest, all races, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, we equip people for ministry. Some of you think, well, I've not got what it takes and I've got a past and I've got a background and I'm excluded from that. I'll happily come and attend. But no, we need everyone on board because a revival takes place when we all get on board, when we all play our part. And that's what the early church says. The early church in the book of Acts was really about everyone. Everyone meeting in the temple courts, everyone doing community together, everyone playing their part. And that's why our values, like they are, are Jesus is who we love to follow. People are who we love to serve. The word is how we love to grow and community is how we love to live. And we want to do that together. And so um, I'm going to share a little bit for briefly, really quickly about some of the things we desire to see, some of the things we desire to do. And then we're going to give you some dates and then um, maybe ask some questions. But before we do that, some of you have been asking. um, In fact, I'll come to that in a minute. I'll show you our org chart in a minute because some of you wanted to know where's our staff at and what's our roles and responsibilities. We'll come to that in a moment because this is a bit more exciting what I'm about to show you. What we desire to see. Everybody say see. These are things we want to see. We want to see God do these things through us and through our church. Okay, We We want to see people find a home in God. Okay, we want to see people find a home in this church where they feel safe, where they feel secure, where they feel valued, where they feel needed, where they feel known, where they feel empowered. We want them to find a home, a home, a H-O-M-E in this church. We want people to connect strong into community. We want to see people connect strong into community. When I say that, I mean like connect strong, not a loose connection, but a strong connection into the community of this church. We want to see people, and hopefully you all agree on this, we want to see people find Jesus. Do you know every single Sunday this year, we have seen people accept Jesus. On Sunday, there was another, I think another five people on Sunday. And I know it sounds like five, it's not necessarily Reinhard Bonnke numbers, you know, that you used to hear about, you know, a million in a day. But if every church in the UK could see five people respond to Jesus every week through our services or through our midweek, how many of you know that begins to sweep the land? And so we can't do that for every church, but we want to see people find Jesus. As a result of that, it does determine how we do our services. It does determine how we program and how our ethos and our culture and things like that, because we want this to be a place which is inviting for people. And what I do love is every single week when we gather, and gatherings aren't all we do, but when we do gather on a Sunday... There are always people who don't know Jesus in our services. And we want to make sure that we give them a first time great opportunity to receive Jesus. And I so some of you might get a little bit bored every Sunday when we come to the same point and we ask people they want to and then we know how to clap. Woo! Let's never let's never become so familiar with people finding Jesus. And so I know that moment, that three minute three minute moment might not be you and every week we say the connect here and the lights come on you know and it's like oh, it feels so repetitive but it's it's like when you go to McDonald's you buy a cheeseburger you you get joy from that moment and you've done that many times and so let's have the same joy when people find Jesus okay because it could be your brother or it could be your friend And so we want to see people find Jesus. We are already seeing that, but I believe and we want to prophesy that we're going to see that in its droves. We want to see people get baptized in water. 
We love people getting baptised in water. We did one two weeks ago. Our next one is going to be in June. We want to baptise people regularly. We want to see people baptised, not just because it's great to see, it is, but because it is a confirmation of people's faith in Christ, a public declaration of that. Them saying goodbye to their old self, hello to their new life in God. There's nothing better than that. And so we want to see people get baptised. We want to see people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because our lives are a lot more effective under the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to get into the theology whether that has to mean the speaking of tongues. We'll leave that for you Q&A and we'll give that to Stuart in a few moments. Um, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, not being ashamed of the Holy Spirit, but being filled with the Holy Spirit, where we, where we welcome the Holy Spirit, where we talk about the Holy Spirit, where we do speak in other tongues and where that is interpreted, where we prophesy and where we have words of knowledge and where we exercise gifts of healing and where the Holy Spirit is not just tolerated, but the Holy Spirit is celebrated. That's what we want to see. We want to see, we want to see people outwork their God-given purpose and their calling. And we want to see people outwork that. And I know that you, we, we, you know, with the church, I find it funny sometimes when the church takes credit for like people who, you know, become chief executives of major organizations. It's because you were in church that Sunday when I approached. No, it's not. Maybe it played a part and maybe it inspired a little bit. And maybe, but it also might be down to the fact that you've been training for 12 years. It might also come down to the fact that you've been doing a lot of study at home. But the church can play a part in it. It's not all down to the church, but let's say the church can help play a part, maybe in your confidence and your purpose and your calling. And we want to see people outwork that in whatever that might be. Amen? Ultimately, I believe we can see that. And if we can see that, I believe as a result of that, our church can grow. And our church can grow. And I hope you want to be part of a growing church. Do you want to be part of a growing church? I hope you do. Now, when I say that, I say that, I say that sometimes like, oh, I hope you do. Because it seems to be more and more common that some people don't want to be part of a growing church. They want to be part of a more of an intimate church community. And I understand the reasons why. I understand why some people might like a smaller community that is more of a bit tight knit. And um, I still believe that has effectiveness. And I still believe that has purpose. And I still believe that can make a difference. So I'm not undermining any of that at all. But I do, when I read the book of Acts, I do see it, it was hard for the church to be contained. <laughs> I do see it was hard for the church to be, people were getting saved every day. People were getting baptised every day. And so there was, need to be, there was needed to be growth. And that's why Glenn talks about church planting. Because the reality is, you know, if, you, if we said, Lord, send revival, and we, you know, there's 750,000 people in Leeds. I, for one, don't want 750,000 people in this church. <laughs> It'd be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> And it would kill us within about seven minutes. Okay? We don't want that. But it would be great if there was another hundred churches in Leeds that were able to accommodate 750,000 people. You probably need thousands of churches to accommodate that amount of people. And so it's not just about this individual church growing. It is about the church of Jesus Christ growing. Now that looks like growth in multiple things, but we do want to see people grow we want to see more people say we want to see more and that's not to to stroke an ego that is not to make us feel good I think it is biblical of the kingdom of God advancing and so let's be committed to see the church grow we want to see the church grow but we want to be a big church that accomplishes big things but still feels quite small (laughs) shall I say that again 
I think we'll be a big church and we probably are already a big church that accomplishes big things but still feels quite small. (laughs) And we have to work together on that because sometimes the bigger we get, sometimes people feel disconnected. Sometimes people feel not needed. They They don't feel known. And they come for four weeks and they sit in the same seat and nobody's maybe gone to speak to them and they leave. And as a pastor or a leader, if you have a pastoral heart, how many of you know that breaks your heart when you hear of those stories? And we've heard of those stories here. I'm sure we've heard of those stories in many churches and maybe you are that person. And so we want to make this big church feel small. I want to say feel small. I don't mean like in mindset, but feel intimate. Feel like I'm part of the family feel like I'm known, feel like my contribution matters, feel like my gift and my giving and my serving matters. A big church that accomplishes big things, but feels small. So that's what we desire to see. Really quickly, what what do we desire to do? We desire to do lots of things. And I suppose the key word here is desire. Notice that, that's kind of what is an insurance word. (laughs) I don't want to over-promise and under-deliver, But these are desires that are in our heart. Some of these desires might be outworked in weeks, months. Some of them might be outworked in years. But these are things we desire to do. One of them, the first one, is we want to get better at what I'd call equipping you, helping you, training you, developing you, helping you enjoy you. And so I suppose training is a big part of that. And, and sometimes when you hear the word training, you feel like you're going to a speed awareness course or you feel like you're going to a first aid training. Like no one wants to do that. But we're talking about effective training, the equipment that is needed for us as followers of Jesus to outwork the calling of God on our life. And so training, personal spiritual growth journey, training in how we disciple others, training how we can start winning souls, because it's easy for us to say, let's go and win leads for Jesus. Let's go and win some souls. And like, you don't even know where to start. <laughs> you don't even know how to share your faith. You don't even know maybe the basic aspects of the gospel that you're sharing. And we're there going, go and do it. But we have to equip you and enable you and help you to do that. And so we're looking at ways because one of our pursuits, which we're going to hear about tonight as we close, is you know, to share the gospel boldly in our localities. So we want to do that. But to do that, we have to equip the church to enable them to do that. Training in leadership and growing in our leadership journey and not just leadership that the world would say, but leadership that is rooted in what the word says. We want to impact our community with real practical help and love and support. And I want to say that again because this is really important to, to us. To impact our community with real practical help and love and support. We're about to enter the, you know, we've all heard it, the biggest cost of living crisis in a long, long time. As a church, we could just watch that happen and go, well, we're here on a Sunday, 11 o'clock, if you want to come. Or we could be practically helping, supporting and loving people who might find it really difficult at this time. Now, that doesn't mean we go and put £100 worth of petrol in people's cars, but it might do. That doesn't mean we go and pay for everyone's gas and electricity bills, but it might do. We can only do what we can do. But I'm talking about, I'd love for us to be a church where we desire to impact our community with real practical help and love and support. One of the things that's really on our heart to do, I don't know if you've heard, it's called a community grocery, which is basically like a a grocery store that is available to the community. Um, 
but it's at it's for people from low income families who um, pay a certain amount of pay a certain amount of membership, and it's in partnership with the Message Trust in Manchester, and they come and get supplies at a very low cost, and the church staff it with volunteers, and the church staff it with facilities. But ultimately, the message are the, the message are the message charity are the people who, who own it. It's a collaboration. It's a partnership. But I think it would be awesome to see many of the families about 150 meters from here, by the way, who are really struggling right now, being able to access that. And so that's obviously, that's not immediate. That is something that we desire to do. But we'd really love to impact our community with real practical help and love and support. We want to be responsive to people's needs. And when I say responsive, we want to be able to act. You heard Glyn say hundreds of thousands of pounds have been raised so far to be able to go and centre the Ukraine, to go and help in those places. I'm looking for us as a church to be able to respond quickly. That when there's a need, guess what? As a church, we can respond to it. Locally, nationally, internationally. I'm sure we've all seen things when you go, man, I'd love to just go and help. I'd love just to go and do that. When Biju Thampi was here on Sunday night from Mumbai, we were speaking to him about what he was doing. And he said, hey, why don't you come and come with a team from your church and come and serve on the streets of Mumbai and come and serve with us? And I'm like, you know what? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> we can do that because that would help strengthen your faith. It'll help develop who you are as well as being a great gift to what they are doing in Mumbai. And so we want to be responsive to needs. and We want to be responsive in some of those trips that we can do. We do have it on our heart also to do some mission trips to go and support and, and not to become the heroes in a place for a few days and then leave. But, you know, just to go and add support to what is going on and share the gospel of Jesus. And we'll look at how we do that. One thing, which is maybe a bit more of a personal thing, but we, I personally want to do, and if anyone, anyone wants to do this, can do it with me and abs, hopefully, uh, is we'd love to do a, a church trip to Israel. And um, we're looking to do that in 2023, uh, probably in the first quarter. I've always wanted to go to like the Holy Land. And one of our values is what to, you know, to grow. How do we grow in the word? The word of God is how we grow. The word is how we love to grow. And so sometimes you read in the Bible and you're finding places and you're like, where's that? What is that? Imagine going to the Holy Land and seeing it and connecting it to that and what it does for your faith. And I know Glenn has gone and I think they've taken teams out before. And so we'd love to do that. And so some of these things, I know that might not be game changers, but some of them are just things that enable us just to do things as a church. One of the things in our heart is to gather our church as well, probably not this year, but maybe um, next year, where as a church we can go away and we can spend more quality time together, maybe for an overnight or a weekend. And we invite our whole church and say, hey, we're all going here for the weekend and we have a, an amazing time. We won't do camping, we'll do five-star hotels. Um, <laughs> But some of the old school stuff, the actually established stuff within churches, we're looking at doing some of those things. Other things, more practical things. And over the last two weeks, if you've missed the last two soul nights, you need to hear more about, because we've spoken more of the depth and the core of, of who we are. These are kind of just some of the, I suppose, the cherries on the cake, the practical things that also we want to do. Um, but we want to start doing more family meals within our church even after our Sunday services. I know we're a big church, but we're aware that there are families who don't know families, who don't know families. And sometimes it's hard when you've got three or four kids and you're wondering, hi, 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 get him, where's he gone? Oh, he's on the road, quick, go and get him. Let's just go home. And before you know it, you drive home and you come back next Sunday, where's, and you know, it's, and it, it's sometimes a challenge. How do I know that? <laughs> and so um, 
We'd love to do things where you can sign up to be part of a family meal on a Sunday. And uh, everyone, sounds old school, but everyone brings food and we share meals together and families can get to meet each other. And that won't necessarily just be families, that can also be individuals maybe who don't know people in the church. And some of these things you might go, oh no, I can't think of anything worse than doing that. That's totally fine. (laughs) But for some people that is going to be an incredible blessing. And so there'll be some things that you'd be like, high thumbs up to, and some things that you're like, I'll leave that. That's okay, because a big church enables us to do things that you'd be like, yes, 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 I'll leave that one. Yes, 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 I'll leave that one. That is cool. We're not expecting you to buy into every single thing, but we also are aware of maybe some of the gaps, not just in our church, but also in our society, that as a church, we can help fill some of those things. We want to strengthen marriages. We want to strengthen parenting. (laughs) How many of you know we want to do that? We need to strengthen marriages and we need to strengthen parenting. And we want to strengthen connections, like I said, between families and individuals. We really want to get going our ministry to men and the community of the men of this house and becoming men of God. And in turn, the women of God. Strengthening the women in this house together, collectively, corporately and becoming a powerhouse. And so any women up for that? Yeah, always. Any men up for that? Yeah. yeah. The women are like, let's do it tomorrow. We'll be here. Men are like, let me know about it in November. I might turn up. We'll see. Men's and women's. And so that's, that's some of the things that we desire to see, some of the things we desire to do. That list could be, you know, 300 things. But we've spoken through our pursuits, our pursuit, our mission statement of really what holds all of this stuff together. And so all of these things that we're talking about here, from meals, family meals, to mission trips, to training to how to win souls, to, you know, your training in your personal spiritual growth journey. All of those sit within our 12 pursuits that we've already spoken through that, you know, we've spent hours talking about. So if you have missed any of them, please do catch up because they're not just random things. What they are, they are things to attach to our pursuits. They are things that attach to really our mission of what we really want to do. They're not just things to feel good. They are purpose fills that connect in. Does that make sense? Again, if you have any questions, we're going to give you time for that in just a moment. So um, we're just going to show you our current staff team. And uh, these are amazing people who are currently the staff of our church. But some of you have asked recently, who's who? So we thought it'd be good just to refresh this. So, um, um, yes. Okay, let's go for it. Um, David Absniblock and then Tyrone Reed. Why don't you stand up, Tyrone, who is our YA pastor. You know Tyrone. Um, Laura Jackson, stand up, Laura Jackson. who I think has the poshest title of everyone, Worship and Production Creative Director. I mean, gosh, what a title that is. Um, But excellent at what she does. And within that also covers a lot of the other creative aspects with regards to media and all of the other things that are very complex. (laughs) Paul Chilton, our building manager. Where are you, Paul Chilton? This building is safer, cleaner than ever before, not because of us, but purely because of Paul Chilton. Um, Mike Mullender, our operations manager, stand up, Mike. Why don't you stand up and take a bow? 
There we are. Um, many of you don't know Mike. Mike has been a friend of mine for years and was actually, at, um, when he was at Life Church College many years ago, did his internship with us in Leeds. And um, Mike was, I mean, Mike wasn't meant to be in Leeds. He was meant to be somewhere else, but kind of got reassigned. And he was like, oh no, now I've got to go to Leeds every week. Anyway, started working with me and Abs, and it's amazing what God has done in how he has reunited Mike with us back working again. And so Mike is a boss on all the operations, and that covers a lot of areas from um, finances to policies to premises to management structures, making sure that we are sound, secure, legal, and doing things right. Um, Jen Innes, um, round of applause for Jen Innes. Jen is at home with her baby Caleb. Uh, She's our church administrator and does a great job administrating areas of church life. And she is married to Stu Innes, who also has a pretty cool title. His title is just pastor. (laughs) Pastor. Because basically Stu does everything that... (laughs) Send it to Stu. And so... um, but Stu is a real blessing, but does have a bit more of a clear job description as well. For those of you wondering, oh no, we need to sort that out. No, he does have roles and responsibilities, life group and a lot of the connect and pastoral side of church life. And um, that is our team. Now what you'll see at the bottom, all except Dave, Stu and Laura um, and um, Abs are part-time. <laughs> okay, so as you can see, you know, from... Um, seven, eight staff, including me and Abs. Um, but like Tyrone is one day, Jen is two days, um, Paul and Mike are a couple of days as well. Um, we are pulling off quite a large church with a very small staff. Now our heart is to grow our staff. Our heart is to have more staff because there are certain aspects where our church is creaking and it's not going to collapse, but you sometimes just feel the creaks. Let's say that and where we could just strengthen. We do want to do that, and if God enables us to do that, then we will do that, which would help maybe share some of the load. But I do also want to say, I think it's important for us to stay a a, a volunteer-led organisation and church. I sometimes think our default is to staff it, when I actually think we could, you know, lead it with volunteers before we always staff things. And if we can't staff it, if we can't volunteer it or it requires more than that, then we need to go to staffing. But what we don't want is so many staff that we have a place where, you know, oh, actually, Gary, we don't need you to do that anymore. And actually, Lydia, actually, Lydia, that's not that important because we've got staff everywhere. We think it's important that you contribute and that you give and you are part of this. And as our staff role is really to support and help you to accomplish that. But we do want to grow our staff, but we also want to grow our staff in accordance with the health and the vitality and the strength of our volunteer base. Because ever since we started this church years ago, what's made it strong is our volunteer base. And all those years ago when we used to look back and turn up to the, the, the container to fill it at 6.30 in the morning and do two or three van trips to the hotel, set it all up and then set it all down. And at the time, they're like, we are not enjoying this. But what it was done, it was building muscle and it was doing great things in our church. And our volunteer spirit in our church is still I'm biased, but I think it is beautiful and it is second to none. And so that is our staff team and they are amazing. They work very hard. And so can I encourage you to continue to pray for them, thank them, bless them, buy them coffees, encourage them. Um, 
and because you know this is you have your jobs and this is their job and you know it's it comes with all the challenges that you have in your job working with me and abs is not always the easiest thing me working with Stu is definitely not always the easiest thing and so what I'm trying to say is there's no perfect working environment there's no perfect staff team and so we all have our challenges and we all have our own emotions and we all have our own egos and we all have our own things and ways of working and, and, and that's the grace of God which helps us work together as a team. But I truly believe that we need to protect the unity of our team and where there is unity, God commands a blessing and our staff team needs to be united, our trusteeship needs to be united, our volunteers need to be united and when there is that unity, that is the soul of the strength that Abs talks about that runs through the church. And so let's pray into that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can take that off. Okay, a couple of things and we're going to close. Dates and plans. This is important information, okay? We're just going to put one screen up. Boom, okay? There's a lot of information. Let me talk it through with you. Some of you might want to take photos of it. Oh, you're doing it already. Look, getting the iPad out. Um, okay, these are some important, important dates. Launch date for North Church. And just so you know, this is subject to our lease agreement, but we are very hopeful that that will come through in the next couple of weeks. So we are very, very, very confident that these dates are are accurate. But launch date for North Church, as you see, will be Sunday the 15th of May. Round of applause for Sunday the 15th of May. And on that day, we are going to have an 11 a.m. service. And we are going to have a 6 p.m. service. The reason we're going to have a 6 p.m. service is we want the evening service to be a celebration for many people from other churches who might not be able to come in the morning because they are part of other churches, families and friends who maybe are on staff or committed to other churches who can come at night. And we're just going to have a great night of worship. We're going to pray into the night and just have a a party that evening. So 11 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Now, our last service, okay, our last service, because some of you might be thinking, connect gatherings, I don't understand what this means. That means our last service in this building as Life Church is scheduled to be Easter Sunday. Okay? Sunday, the 17th of April, will be our last, scheduled to be our last service on a Sunday. Some of you are doing the maths and go, well, hold on, the next Sunday is the 24th. What's happening? Calm down, okay? It's going to be okay. What we have decided to do as a staff team and uh, trustees are also in the loop on this is we are going to have what we're calling a sailor which is a nice word for a pause and there's a few reasons why we are having this sailor pause of three Sundays okay one of the reasons is a very it might sound selfish um, but me and abs for the last 13 years have kind of just been going and going and going and going and going and going and going pretty much every Sunday for 13 years and we realise the new season as well is going to be kind of hectic. And so we think it's nice just to have a sailor where we can just have a breather. And so that is not only for us, but that will also be for our team in that first week. And uh, we're only going to have a week off, so it's not long, um, but we're going to have some time. And we're actually, as a family, going to the Faroe Islands for a few days on that week um, to see some friends there who've invited us there just for some time. And so uh, that will be on the 24th. That'll be, that'll be the first week. And then we're going to have a couple of other weeks. And the reason for that is there are things, a couple of reasons. One, we want to do things in this building, uh, but that's not the main reason. But we are going to do things in this building uh, to change certain things and to refresh certain things. Um, but also, we, we did think it was important for our team because we might not have this opportunity probably again for a very long time. And so we think it's good for some of our team to go and visit what God is doing in some other churches 
go and learn from some other people and see what God is doing around the nation on those three Sundays. It also so happens that the 8th of May, which was one of the options of when we restarted, is also the Leeds Half, just fact, we've today found out, is the Leeds Half Marathon. So Kirkstall Road is closed all day. And so on that Sunday, we wouldn't have been able to do a service anyway on the 8th. So as a result of that, we've made a decision that the 15th of May will be our launch Sunday. Now, for those of you thinking, well, there's nothing on those Sundays, there will be things on those Sundays. On the 24th of April, the 1st of May and the 8th of May, there are going to be connect gatherings throughout the region. One of them will be here. So if you still want to come here on a Sunday, you can. The building will be open and it will be led by a team of people who will just have some time in the hub and you can have some coffee and you can have some refreshments and you can pray and there'll just be a time to connect and open some scripture if you want and do that. And so that'll be on a, that'll be on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. There will also, our aim is to have five other gathering points throughout the region where you can gather people, go for walks, have people around for you know, like big dinners and really connect with people on a, like a one-to-one level. And so that is what we arrange. We will send you more information about what those connect gatherings look like, but that enables us to start strong on the 15th of May. Does that make sense? Some people have gone, yeah, but what happens if between, the fifth, between Easter Sunday and the 15th of May, people leave your church and go to another church? Do you know what? I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor with that level of insecurity. If that happens, God bless you. <laughs> No, seriously, God bless you. But hopefully we're building a church strong enough that will remain committed <laughs> and we won't just venture off because two Sundays we're not doing services. We are aware we'd have to communicate this to the wider church because you as the soul might be fine with it, but some of the wider church might be confused by it. And so we will explain that over the next few Sundays. We'll have some literature which clearly puts this out. And maybe you have some questions. Sure, you can ask them now in a couple of moments' time. Okay, and then the final thing I want to share about is just our financials, our financial side of our church. Let's call it the money, okay? Like Faluke said, 31st of April is when we stop being, was it 30th of April, is when we stop being Life Church and we start being North Church on the 1st of May. Normally when you start a church, you start a church with 10 people in your lounge and the couple buy their own coffee and their own digestive biscuits. We're starting a church with a lot of people and around £35,000 worth of expenses per month, okay? And that includes, you know, that's, that's everything all in. Our ministry costs, building rents, insurance, gas, electricity, staff costs, everything would be around there. So obviously we're going to be starting off from scratch. And so when we get into May, we want to make sure that we have the ability to cover our costs, but we are also Life Church for half of the month of April on Sundays until the end of April. So we have, we've been in discussions with the uh, Life Church um, Board of Trustees. We've been very supportive and very helpful. And this is what we have come to um, um, an agreement on. And what we're asking of the church is that for April, while we remain Life Church, that we continue to tithe to Life Church and we continue to give our offerings to Life Church. And then at the end of April for the beginning of May, you transfer your giving to North Church if you feel comfortable to do that. If you have standing orders, they will continue until you voluntarily stop them. They won't be transferred by us. They won't be transferred by Life Church. That is your responsibility to transfer any of your own giving. Okay, and so um, we are hoping and really expecting that God is going to be faithful 
and that God is going to provide. He is our Jehovah Jireh and that God is going to put, and already people are being generous and wanting to be generous to us as a church and um, we're expectant and excited about that. And so I'm asking you to continue to be faithful in your life church giving for the month of April and then switch it to North Church at the end of April or whenever you do it for the beginning of May. Now, here's one thing we're going to do above and beyond that. There are numerous things that we want to do in this building, plus there are also things where we just need fuel in the tank to get us going into May. And so on Sunday, the 10th of April, we are going to receive an offering that will go specifically to the new church. We are going to call this a North Church Pioneer Offering because everyone who gives in it is part of that pioneering journey. And that is going to enable us to do the things that are in our heart to do and refresh certain aspects, but also enable us almost like to get going in that month of May so that we don't hit May going, (laughs) but actually there's some fuel in the tank to enable us to go. And so that will be on Sunday, the 10th of April. Just to let you know that we do need to make sure that we do cover our life church expenses for the month of April. And so we need to make sure that we do commit to covering those costs. Um, But in addition to that, we will be receiving an offering on April the 10th into North Church, which will go to that. For those of you that want information on the screen now is um, information of our new bank account. Round of applause for our new bank account. And so that is our bank, which is now open and um, If you need information on that, obviously we will provide envelopes and we will provide emails and we will provide this information to you. But that is now, um, that is live. It's kind of quite a unique environment to be in, um, but we're grateful for how this is being handled and how we are doing this well. Because I think most churches, if they were doing this process, it would be a bit of a train wreck. But by the grace of God, this is not a train wreck at all. And Life Church is strong as a result of it, and North Church can become strong as a result of it as well. Okay? Does it make sense? Fantastic. Round of applause for all of that information. Okay, quickly, because I know we're running out of time, but is there any questions on anything that anyone has said? We want to finish in just the next few minutes, but is there anyone, anything that anyone wants to ask? This is important stuff, and if you do, uh, just you can raise your hand and... Uh, we will, we will answer it. And if you maybe have questions afterwards, you can come and speak to us. But is there anyone that you think, well, this is burning in me. Surely it's burning in everyone else. Sam. Um, Hold on. Where does uh, AOG get the money from? Like, is that something that we kind of subscribe to to help the, or kind of, how does that work sort of financially? Good question. Stu, do you want to come and answer this for us? Because yes, there is a commitment from our side. Yep. Uh, like every movement of churches in the UK, there is a percentage that we ask for. And so ours is the lowest in the country um, at 3%. And it's 3% of your tithes and offerings. So it's not 3% of if you run an event, it's not 3% of your coffee shop takings or car parking or anything like that. It's about tithes and offerings. So it's 3%. That's what it is. And then as ministers, we all pay a fee, which is the enormous sum of 50 quid if you pay it quick if not it goes up to 75 yeah so yeah three percent is the answer to your question and that is obviously very common in all being part of all um networks and um so for every pound that you give sam 3p we'll be going to that 
Good question, though. Yes? Yeah, you will have to apply for new gift aid numbers. Uh, we will send you information on applying for new gift aid numbers. We cannot just transfer your Life Church data to us because of GDPR rules. And so everyone is going to have to start fresh, brand new, because we're a brand new charity. Good question. Anything else? Gary? In this period, life groups during this period can continue. Um, they are at the discretion of the leaders, and we're encouraging you to still meet together. And so, yeah, they won't be stopping. We're encouraging life groups to continue. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, that would just be for the first Sunday, and then after that, we will return to one service, um, whilst there is still space to enable us to do one service. <laughs> okay, fantastic. If there are more questions, please do come and speak to us on that. Uh, let's just get the band up quickly, and um, we're going to finish off by just finding out quickly from our six pursuits, and uh, we're going to give each person 30 seconds, okay? So this is going to take us three minutes. And so pursuit number seven is this. It's going to come up on the screen. A community of people who desire to share the gospel boldly in their locality and see people turn to Jesus. Come on, Esam. Here you are. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds to get there and then 30 seconds to speak. Why does this enthuse you, Esam? Personally, I think, uh, well, because Bible says and Jesus said, but I think think personally, uh, out of my experience, it was nine years ago when I had a friend. It was my, he was my best friend. And I had a phone call. Um, another friend of mine called me and said, uh, our friend got involved in a car accident and he's in hospital and he's unconscious. So I'm driving to the hospital and this is my last chance to share the gospel with him. And I'm just praying in, in my car, crying to, to God, please give me another chance. So by the time that I'm in hospital... Uh, he was out and um, since then I just I don't know I just felt that this is my responsibility every time I see somebody to feel that this might be the last chance that I can share the gospel with this person and I don't know about you if you have family friends cousins you know colleagues um, in your workplaces and if you walk on the street you 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 know you grab a coffee from a coffee shop and you're not sure that person is saved I just want to challenge you, and I think it's a great challenge for me too, to, to ask myself, is it going to be the last time that I'm seeing this person, and am I going to see this person in heaven again or not? Amazing. Thanks, Esam. The next pursuit, the next one, number eight, a community of people who commit to see a young generation connect with God. Come on, Lydia, 30 seconds. Well, I think about it pretty simply. My biggest connections to God were in my youth. It's what kept me going. It's what keeps me in church now is those encounters with God then. So it's the reason we will always save an obnoxious two front rows for the young people of this church because we want them to know that they are valued by this church. They are valued by God. And that front row seat gives them an opportunity for a front row encounter with God where they discover what he thinks of them, what he's got in store for them their gifts, their talents, their purpose, that they can be nourished by this church, that they can flourish in their own lives so that 
they are the ones moving in the spirit so that they are the ones revolutionizing their schools and their future industries, that they are the next generation. And if we can get them on fire for God now, imagine what they'll do in 10, 20, 30 years time. Amen. Number nine, a community of people who love to use their God-given creativity, gifting and energy to impact the world. Johnny Crabtree, 30 seconds starts now. I believe that uh, every person in this church is creative because we are made in the image of a creative God. Um, And everyone has something to offer, just like Dave was saying. We all have something to bring, something to give, whether that's within our church setting or whether that's out there in the world somewhere. Um, And I think it's awesome that this church is going to be able to equip us and help grow us and help um, us do that in whatever way um, we personally see fit, because God will use that for his glory. Amen. Number 10. Number 10. A community of people who feel empowered to thrive in their place of study, workplace and home. Esther Jamera. Here you are. Come on, Esther. Hi. I feel empowered to share my faith, especially in my workplace, partly because I know my identity in Christ. And I also know that in my hands, like what Pastor Dave shared I've got a puzzle piece that helps God to complete his mission on earth. Does that help? Brilliant. Number 11. Number 11, a community of people who love and serve people to see God transform lives. Come on, Sean. Come on, Sean. Very quickly, uh, when the first punters came through the community cafe door, Uh, my heart sank because our commission is to love and I thought I can't even sustain a conversation with these guys and I felt God say to me it doesn't matter it's not you that's going to love them in your strength I'm going to love them through you you just trust me and you enjoy the ride don't be uber intense not every conversation is going to work out but I tell you I'm in this and it's going to work and I tell you what it's a fantastic initiative Praise God. And last but not least, number 12, a community of people who believe God can do the impossible. Come on, Stu, finish it off for us. Why don't we all just stand in this moment? Let's surrender this night to God. Let's lift up holy hands and commit what has been said tonight. Commit our leaders, our fearless leaders, Dave and Abs, to the Lord tonight. A community of people who believe the impossible. This is what it's all about tonight, church. That we would believe the impossible. That we, as a community of ordinary people, would believe in an extraordinary God. Believe in life transformation. Believe that the drug addict can walk in broken and can walk out free. Believe that the the unsaved would walk in and they would walk out saved. Believe that baptisms would be a regular occurrence. Believe in restored marriages, restored families. Believe in schools to see revolutions and revelations. I was praying about this, and I just sense Isaiah 43, verse 18, 19. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, because behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
And in the middle of Leeds, in the middle of England, let us believe for the impossible. Let us believe for the impossible in Wakefield. Let us believe for the impossible in York. Let us believe for the impossible all over Leeds. Because we are a community of people. We are a community of people together believing for the impossible. Amen. Come on, let's give a round of applause for all of those pursuits. Let's just sing a chorus. Come on, we're just going to sing one chorus of this song. We're going to close. Let this be our declaration tonight, and then we're just going to close. And so, come on, let's just sing this chorus together.